0: You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. We're in a series entitled Live Like That. Uh, the Bible says, Jesus says in Matthew 6, to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And so what does it look like to seek first the kingdom of God? That's the question we're asking and when we, when we see Jesus say that, I mean, I hope our initial response is yes. I don't want to live from my kingdom. I want to live for God's kingdom. I want to live like that. So tell me, what does it look like to live like that? Well, all throughout this sermon that Jesus is teaching, he's explaining what it means to put the kingdom first. But here specifically in Matthew 6 is what we're covering. And we're going through every verse here in chapter 6 over the last couple of weeks. And for a few more, more weeks, we're going to be looking at every verse and, and really dissecting it. And um, as, as we did, we're, we're seeing that seeking first the kingdom of God uh, really boils down into three areas. And the first is physically so how do we physically put our bodies uh and, and how do we physically put the kingdom of God first? So how do we you know we're stewarding our body well and, and so we looked at what is fasting, and many of you fasting uh, are fasting and you and you fasted and you're realizing that you are um very much in need of God. You know, that first day with no food, and you were like, Holy cow, I'm about to eat my finger off my hand. And so you you were beginning to experience the the that, that feeling and, and you began to see that, you know what, I'm putting the kingdom of God first and God's blessing you. Some of you are fasting uh, f- uh, through the cultural fast that we've been talking about. And so you're fasting from TV or, or, or you know, if you're a teenager, Xbox, you're, you're fasting from some form of technology maybe to clear up your schedule. And what you found over the last week is, wow, TV isn't as important as I thought it was. I'm, I'm okay and, and we're okay. And, and the kids didn't complain as much as we thought they were going to complain. And, and we had a lot more time together and God's blessing and God's using. I want to encourage you guys to continue to do that and to can, continue to pray through this. second way is, is through prayer. So how do we put the kingdom of God first? Well, spiritually, we put the kingdom of God first. And so that's uh, through our prayer life. And so we talked about prayer last week and what that looks like and and how to um, uh, set a time and a place every day Time and place, time and place, time and place. This is when we pray. This is where we're in God's Word. And that's how we build that habit into our life. And some of you, for the first time, uh, you're doing this. And, and you went online and you got our online devotion guide. And so you're reading one verse. You're going through chapter six with everybody. We're going through one verse. We're answering a few questions. We're praying. And you are blown away at how different your attitude is and how different your day is because you've dedicated 5, 10, 15 minutes of your day to the Lord. Uh, it's awesome to do the same thing that your spouse is doing as well, isn't it? I mean, Mike and I have had some great conversations just talking about what God is doing in our lives through the fast and through chapter six and our vo- devotions. And so so physically, spiritually, and today we're going to talk about the third area, which is materially. So how do we put God first materially? How do we seek the kingdom of God materially uh, in our lives? And so um, make sure you check our website. Talking that new episode is on this afternoon. A great episode with some of our uh, our members, some of our partners. And so uh, check that out, online devotion. All those articles are online. You guys can check that out as well. Uh, But before we go any further, I want to start with a little crowd participation, if you will. Everybody get loose because, you know, sometimes in the first service especially, you're still kind of the caffeine is just now kicking in. But I want everybody to participate, okay? So, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask a question. Raise your hand if you would say that I don't have enough money and I would like a little more. Raise your hand if you would say that. If that I don't have enough and I would like a little more. Hey, be be honest. We're in church. You know, look at the person next to you and say, "Be honest." And let's let's do it again. Ready? If a little bit more would help you out, raise your hand. All right, all over, pretty much everybody's hand is up. Dave Ramsey, you can put it down now. It's like I'm making my point. So, so Dave Ramsey, pretty awesome teacher about money, says money is fun if you got some, <laughs> right? Money is fun if you got some. Uh, look at the person next to you and say money is fun if you got some. Turn to your right, turn to your left, say money is fun if you got some. The problem is most of us ain't got some, <laughs> you know? Wait, that's bad grammar, by the way. Um, and so, so we we all you know kind of have this idea that we want more and and we need more and and so we want to look at what Jesus says about about money. The problem is for us, we live in a, in a in a culture that is very materialistic. If you agree with me, just shake your head so I know that you're with me. So like we live in a very materialistic culture and and um. The temptation for us as believers to adopt the culture that we live in is very strong. And sometimes it's, it's, it's so strong, it's like we don't even know we've adopted it. We don't even know we are living worldly uh, because it's so normal around us. And so uh, materialism basically is money-centered or God-centered um, versus, I'm sorry, money-centered or thing-centered versus God-centered. So, for, so a materialistic culture uh, says that money is more important or things are more important. That is the center of decisions, center of life, instead of God. In a fallen human heart, it is our nature to possess things. Go to the two-year-old room today and you will see it is in our nature, mine, you know? You don't have to tell your toddler what toys are his or hers. She pretty much or he pretty much thinks everything in the world belongs to him or her, right? So so it's in our nature to possess things and to have mine. A.W. Tozer, who is awesome, by the way, says, the pronouns my and mine look innocent, but they reveal a deeper problem within our heart. God's gifts now take the place of God. And the whole course of nature is upset by this monstrous substitution. So instead of loving God, we love the things that God created more than we actually love the creator. Materialism is a preoccupation with the material rather than the spiritual side of our lives. And you just have to do a little thinking. How much time do you spend thinking about and earning money Versus how much time do you spend thinking about and going to church? Thinking about God and going to serve God. I mean, in in, in our culture, uh, that's a very lopsided scale, if you are honest. God created us to love people and use things. God created us to love people and use things. But materialism uses people to get things. And so we have switched gears here, and this is kind of the driving force of many of our lives. Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, to watch out and be on your guard against all kinds of evil. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. But what does the world say about possessions? The more toys, the more fun, the more pleasure, the better. But Jesus narrows it down and says, look, your life is not based on the sum of the stuff that you have. Matter of fact, that is never going to lead to happiness anyway. Here's a few statistics to help us see that our culture is materialistic. First of all, the average household in the U.S. is in debt now up to 136% of their household income. So that basically means, for, for those of us that didn't do that great in math, that we are spending 30 per six, uh, 36% more than what we are actually making. Okay? It becomes a problem. <laughs> uh, next, the average credit card debt, depending upon what research study or research form you look at, uh, if you go home and, and Google this or something, Most of them will say the average credit card debt uh, in the U.S. is $8,000. Many others will say it's up to $15,000. So on average, if our church is average, and we all just kind of wrote down our credit card debt today, the average would equal somewhere between $8,000 and $15,000. That is mind-blowing. That is a lot of belts, a lot of earrings, 20% off uh, that match your shoes, right? (laughs) Right? That's a lot of lattes. That's a lot of golf clubs and golf shirts that match. Hey, this, this, is, this is a lot of money. The average 21-year-old owes $12,000. 21 years old owes $12,000. By the time he or she is 28, statistics show that he or she will owe $78,000. So from 21 to 28, the debt you know is, is, is off the roof. More than likely, credit cards and school loans. Now, it's no wonder that young couples struggle in marriage. It's no wonder we fight about finances. It's no wonder that so many marriages end in divorce so quickly. Because when we talk about money, when we talk about you know, debt, it just brings a lot of stress. The average number of U.S. Ho- households living paycheck to paycheck is 55%. So if our church is average, over half of us in this room are living paycheck to paycheck, which means we're, if, if we were to lose our job today or we weren't, you know, we, we, we didn't get paid this month, over half of us would not be able to pay our mortgage, would not be able to pay whatever car loan you have, would not be able to pay your bills, basically. That is an issue. It's no wonder... That Jesus talks about money, he talks about our heart in Matthew 6, at the same time that he talks about anxiety, as he talks about stress. When you talk about money, it is stressful. When you think about your debt, anxiety, that pressure around your heart just kind of flexes, you know, and you're just like, let's not talk about this. As a matter of fact, talking about money in church freaks some of you out. You shouldn't be talking about it, Trent. We should just you know this is our deal. You talk about loving people, Trent. Don't talk about money. That's, our per- that's a different part of our life. And Jesus would completely disagree with you. As a matter of fact, two-thirds of the New Testament is about money and things. One out of 10 verses uh, talks about money. More, that's five times more than faith, five times more than prayer. So m- money and issue uh, and things are an issue. And we're going to see it's a huge issue in our life. Look at Proverbs 22, 7. They're going to put it on the screen. Uh, 22, 7 says this, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Let's just let that sink in. The the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Now the Hebrew word for slave there is the word abed. And it means in bondage. It means servant, a slave. So the one who has a borrowed money, who is in debt basically, is a slave, is in bondage to those who are rich. Now a couple of comments before I dive into this a little bit further. Um, getting a loan, I don't believe is sin. I don't believe this verse teaches us that it's a sin to get a loan. So it's okay to get a loan for your house, loan to get a car, loan to get this, loan to get go to school. All that stuff is fine. But what we're going to see today is that there is a direct correlation with the materialism and the sin that is in our heart and how we want stuff. And so, quite possibly, the car loan that you have is sin, but it may not be. So that's kind of one of these things where I talk about what the Bible says. We throw a bunch of stuff out there and then we let the Holy Spirit like speak to us individually because we're all different and we all have different things going on. We all have different, you know, uh, incomes and and, and a different heart for what God is doing. And so we just want to hear from God today. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Now, most Christians don't walk around saying, I am a slave to money. What's up, bro? I'm a slave too. You know, we don't walk around, you know, chest bumping and high fiving. You know, I'm in bondage to money. We don't do that, do we? But we make comments that pretty much allude to that fact. We say things like, well, I wish my wife could stay home with the kids, but we just don't make enough money to do that. What you're saying when you say that is basically we are in bondage to money if you're someone that says well we just can't afford to give 10 percent of our income to the church uh, because we don't make enough basically what you're saying is you are a slave to money I hate my job I don't like my job I feel like God wants me to do something else but it pays the bills and and and, and you know it, it, it comes in every week so I can't change because I need to make sure I pay the rent you're in bondage to money. But these are normal statements, aren't they? We hear people say all the time, um, uh, you know, uh, these stats, and you've heard them before. And, and for many of us, those stats comfort us about debt and because we're like, good, I thought I was the only guy that was up to my eyeballs in debt. You know, we think it's normal. We think it's normal to have a car loan. We think all these things, you know, are normal. But I want to challenge you today and for the next couple of weeks uh, to create a new normal for your life. Normal is debt. Normal is car payments. Normal is credit card payments and paying the minimum on your balance. Normal is getting student loans. Normal is house payments. Normal is fighting about money. Normal is being stressed out and anxious about money. Normal is divorcing over money. Normal is laying awake at night worrying about money that's why i believe with all my heart if you're a follower of jesus we are not called to be normal we're called to be something a little bit different we can't settle for normal and we hear people make these normal comments all the time like well you're just always going to have a car payment that's just normal no it's not some of us don't have that and it's awesome you know Some of us say, well, you're just always going to, you're always going to have credit card debt. You're always, that is not normal. Let's look at what Jesus says in Matthew 6. Actually, I just want to look at verse 24. If you guys want to just throw verse 24 up there. Today is all about verse 24. We're going to cover, like I said, everything in this chapter. But today we really just need to set the stage for what is a new normal. And, and, And this verse is so powerful. I mean, I'm telling you, if we will, if we'll hear God on this one, it will change our life. Here's what he says, verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. For either, will, he will either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So this is huge. You cannot serve God and money. Now, he doesn't say it's going to be hard to serve God and money. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say it's going to be challenging to try to serve God and money in your culture. He says you cannot. There is no amount of willpower. There is nothing in your budget. There is nothing that you can do to make this happen. Jesus says it is impossible. You cannot do it. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, this is huge. Why would he say this? I mean, if he would have, you know, Jesus could have said, fill in the blank, you cannot serve God and what? Power? Oh, yeah, I get that, Jesus. You can't serve God and power. We need to serve God. He doesn't say that. I mean, we, we would we'd be okay and understand if you, if you said, you know, you can't serve God and popularity. Well, yeah, we get that. You can't serve God and your own sexual desires. I mean, yeah, okay, God, we're tracking with you on that. But he doesn't say any of that. He says you cannot serve God and money. It is in possible. Here's what, here's a truth that I want you guys to hear today. The way you handle money is an outward indicator of an inward spiritual condition. Look at, read that, look at that. The way you handle money is an outward indicator of an inward spiritual condition. Now leave this up there because we, we can't get around this. We cannot Get around, no matter how much you want to buck on this, no matter how much you want to fight me on this, no matter how much you want to fight God on this, no matter what your, you know, list of look at all the things I have done list for God, no matter what is on that list, you can't get around this Truth. This is like the X-ray vision of spiritual minds. You know, This is the Superman X-ray vision into your spiritual life. The way you handle money is an outward indicator of the inward spiritual condition of your and my heart. I can't get around that. No matter how much I think I love Jesus. No matter how much I I sing, no matter how much I pray, no matter how many times I come to church, no matter if I'm in full-time ministry, it does not matter what I do with my life. This one truth right here blows everything else out of the water because it tells all. And here's why. Verse 21, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Also. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Jesus doesn't want, you know, he's, he's not after your money. He's not after, you know, your house. He's not after your happiness. He is after your heart because he knows that when he has your heart, you'll have every need that you've ever desired. You'll have happiness. You'll have joy. You'll have fulfillment in life. And listen, if you'll learn this one truth, it will revolutionize your life. The way that you handle money is, the, is an outward indicator of an inward spiritual condition in life your life. So, here let me let me give you two temptations that I think we learn here. In verse 24, he says you cannot serve God and money. Temptation number 1, you and I are tempted to serve money. We're tempted to serve money. Now, we're all tempted in one way or another to serve it, uh, but Jesus says you cannot have two masters. We we'll either hate one and love the other or vice versa. It is impossible to serve two masters. And so you and I, in our culture especially, but every culture on the earth, I believe, is tempted to serve money and things. And isn't it interesting, of all these things that Jesus could have said, he says you cannot serve God and money. I'm guessing uh, the reason why he says this is because money is the number one competitor for our heart. Out of all the things that we struggle with in our life, and you name it, sex, you name any desire that you have uh, that is sinful, selfishness, anything that you can put on your list of ways that you have messed up in your life, money is the number one competitor, generally speaking, for everyone's heart in this room Now, most of us wouldn't say, I serve money, because we know that's not biblical. We serve Jesus. Thank you very much, Trent. I don't serve money. However, I'll argue that if you have ever bought something that you didn't need with money you didn't have, you were serving money. Oh, that one hurt. You know, dang it, got me. Uh, I would argue that if you are hoarding money, because this is my money and this is my stack, And the more zeros, the more secure I feel. And I've got to pad this account and I've got to make it big because I want my kids to have and I'm planning and I'm doing this. If you are hoarding that and you are not giving 10% of your income away, I am telling you that you serve money. Or if you didn't give to somebody who was in need this week or last month because this is my money and I have too many bills, I have too many things, I have too much credit card debt to give. You are serving money. If you've ever compromised your family, if you've ever neglected your family in the pursuit of climbing a successful ladder, whatever that is, you're served or are serving money. I just wanted my kids to have a lifestyle that I never had. You're serving money because they're just begging you for your time not what you can give them in material possessions. We're all tempted to serve money. Secondly, we're all tempted to love money. We're all tempted to serve money and we're all tempted to love money. I mean, generally speaking, in the U.S., we're the richest nation in the world. So no matter what salary you you bring home... Compared to two-thirds of the world, you are rich. I mean, you're able to have a, a house with heat and with air conditioning. Most of us have a car. I mean, that is considered only the wealthy people. We're a little overweight. That is considered wealthy living in two-thirds of the world. We're all tempted here, me included, to serve money, and we're tempted to love money. Look at First Timothy with me, uh, chapter 6, verse 10. You can write this down. It's going to be up here on the screen. A guy named Paul wrote to a young man named Timothy, and here's what he told Timothy. He said, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Let's just take a second to let that sink in. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Ah, that is so true. He goes on to say, it's through this craving. What craving? The craving to have more. The craving and desire to have a better this and more this and a, and a higher income and to gain more possessions, that craving that some have, have caused them to wander away from the faith and it's pierced themselves with many pains. So this, this desire, this craving in us to have more stuff and to have more money is, is causing us to wander away from God. It causes us to wander away from our first love, Jesus Christ. It causes us to wander away from him, and it causes us a lot of pain. Now, who wants to sign up for that? Give me the wander away from Jesus and a lot of pain, you know, life. I want that. We don't want that. But why do we walk that path? We walk that path because that craving for more stuff is so strong. That craving for more stuff is stronger than the craving you felt for food when you fasted this week. As much you guys were fixing food for your kids and you thought, I am going to eat this plate as I'm putting these chicken nuggets and these chicken t- on this plate for my kids and you were struggling. And, 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 and I'm telling you, the desire for more money and more stuff is greater than that desire in most of our hearts. And we're tempted to serve and we're tempted to love money. And Jesus says, don't do it. We're tempted to love money. We're tempted to serve money. Money. Let me, a few comments on money though. Money is not the root of all evil. Look at it closely. The love of money is the root of all evil. So money in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. Money is neutral. Okay. So a lot of people say, well, I'm poor. I don't love money. Bull. Bull. I know a lot of poor people. They love money. They just don't have any. They want more of it, you know? And I know a lot of wealthy people, because a lot of times we say, well, wealthy people love money. Not necessarily the case, Man, I know a lot of wealthy people that don't love and serve their money. They make their money, love and serve them, and they use it for kingdom ministry. They use it to help and bless other people, and God has blessed them. They're just good at what they do, so God's blessed them financially. Maybe, maybe what God ha- the reason why God has blessed them financially is because He knows they would and are generous with what He has given them. Well, so money is not the root of all evil money. Is, is just neutral. It's the love of money. So again, many people misinterpret what money's supposed to do. Money is neutral. It's how you use your money that matters. It's how you use your money that reveals your heart before God. And people think, if I just had more money, that would solve all my problems. And, and, and they'll say, if I had more money, I wouldn't have to work so much. Well, I wish that were true. But the reality is, generally speaking, when people get more money, they tend to work more. And spend more. I mean, think about your life. I mean, isn't that generally true? The more money we get, usually the harder we're working for it, the more stress we have, the more responsibility we have, the higher we climb the ladder, the more things that we have to manage. And the reality is, generally speaking, more money means more work and more spending. More work, more spending results in more time away from your family, bigger debt, and less time seeking. The kingdom, I'm just keeping it real today because that is so true in our heart and in our church and in our life. Let me give you an example. I've got a really, I got a good friend who uh, 10 years ago, he was making 30 grand a year. Well, fast forward 10 years to today, uh, he's making 300 grand a year. So pretty good jump, making a lot of money, um, doing really well. As his income has increased, his lifestyle has increased. I have seen him buy an amazing, beautiful house. I've seen him, you know... Um, he, he's got two great kids. I've seen him buy three cars um, that are awesome. He's bought four-wheelers that are decked out. He's got an amazing boat that, that is, is awesome. And, and he, he's got everything toy-wise that you, you can imagine. But he sits in my office and he's in tears because his marriage is on the rocks. Because the more he made, the more he spent. And the reality is, even though he's making however many times more today than he was 10 years ago, he's not saved anything. He still lives paycheck to paycheck. And he's stressed because he's got, you know, private school to pay for. He's got the nanny and the housekeeper to, you know, to pay He's got the club membership that he's got to keep up. He's got all these stinking toys that cost money, which we don't think about when we buy stuff. It's like they cost more to keep him working than actually buying them. And so that's frustrating. And so all of these things, that you know, the house mortgage, uh, you know, all of these things have increased his level of living and he's not saved anything. And that's a huge mistake. I mean, we're running a race. And he is running an unwinnable race. And some of you are running that race and you don't even realize it. But when you think about it and you pray about it, the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you're like, you know what, I'm on that race. I am running that race. I am stressed. I'm miserable. I'm not saving like I need to. My kids are gonna have to get student loans out for school. When I retire, I don't know what's gonna be in the bank account. I am living outside of my means when you spend everything you make or worse, you spend more than you make, you are subjecting your own self to a life filled with anxiety. Now, listen, if you're in college and you don't have a credit card, don't get one. Best thing you'll ever do in your entire life. Think about it. Chances are all of us in here, you're probably making more money than you were 10 years ago. Am I right? You probably are making more money than you made 10 years ago. Let me ask you this. Is there more money in your savings account? Is there more money in your 401k as a result? Is there, is there, is there more giving? Are, are you giving more than what you were giving 10 years ago? See, the reality is if we get sucked into this culture, the more we get, the more we spend. And our lifestyles just increase and, and, and we don't even give it a second thought because it is normal in our world. And what I'm saying is create a new normal for your life. People say, well, if I had more money, I wouldn't have to, I wouldn't be in debt. But I'm telling you, generally speaking, just look at your friends, look at your own life, talk to people about their, their resources. The more money you make, the more you get into debt. People, people say all the time, well, if I had more money, I'd be more generous. Not true. Statistically, the more or the higher income you have, the more or the less percentage that you give. So statistically speaking, this isn't always the case, but generally speaking, the more money that you make, the the smaller percentage you actually give. And if you think about it, it makes sense. If you're making thirty thousand dollars a year and you're giving three grand, you know, of it away, it's like, man, that's a lot of money. But okay, it's three grand, you know, over the course of a year, we can do, you know, a few hundred dollars or you know, whatever it is. But when you're making a hundred grand and you're giving ten thousand dollars away, different story, isn't it? Now, if you're making $200,000. $200,000. You're giving 20 away. Bigger story. And so as your income increases, you think, well, you know what? I'm giving more than anybody else, so I don't need to give 10. That rule only applies to the average people. It doesn't apply to you know, the wealthy people, so I'm not going to give what God says. I'm going to give whatever you know, I got because that's going to make a big difference. And so more money is not going to mean that you're more generous. If I ask you, those of you who are Christians, do you love money? Most of us are going to say, no, we don't love money. We love Jesus. And and, money is my friend, and I want a lot of friends. Okay, (laughs) let's just be honest. Uh, But we don't love money. We love Jesus. However, if you'll remember at the beginning of the message, um, I said, how many of you guys, you know, don't have enough and a little bit more? You, You would like a little bit more? And I said, raise your hands. Remember when I did that and everybody raised their hands? Shake your head if you remember, if you're awake. you remember that? All right, let's look at the next verse. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says this, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Whoever loves money never has enough. How many people said, I don't have enough, a little bit more is what I need. Everybody in the room raised their hands all of us love money don't we look at the person to your right and say bro he just got you on that one <laughs> tell him yeah tell him he got it. but don't let the person on your left get away with it turn to the person on your left and say he got you too don't laugh don't laugh he got us all now now listen uh, you know here's the reality a lot of us are under the power of money and we don't realize it it's just normal it's normal to do these things it's normal because everybody around us is doing them. But I want to make a bold statement for most people in, 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 in America, most of us, uh, it's, it's not about the amount of money that we make. It's about the amount of money that we what? Spend. You guys should come up here and preach. I don't need. Yeah, we know this. It's not how much I make. It's how much I spend. And if you want to dig a little bit deeper, it's how much I want. Because I want some more, man. You know what I mean? It's a spending problem. If we're spending more than we make, that's a lifestyle problem, which is a real indication of a, listen to this, a spiritual problem. That we're trying to find meaning in things. And the reality is most of us don't need more money. What we need is more Jesus. What we need is more Jesus. What we need is to turn our eyes to Jesus. And as we turn our eyes to Jesus, the things of this world grow strangely dim, don't they? Now all of a sudden that car that you got to have and you need to have and you want to have because we're a look at me culture and man, this is going to be awesome now. Now you look at that car and it's like, eh, strangely dim, isn't it? Now it's a little awkward and weird to sit in that thing. Because the more you look at Jesus, the more the things of this world don't matter to you. Most of us think we need more money, but the reality is we need more Jesus We've got the wisdom to do what's right with money if we'll invest in what God says to invest in. And it's my prayer for those of us that are in bondage would would call it what it is and just say, God, I realize I'm a slave to money. I'm in bondage to money and I didn't even know it or I knew it, but I just didn't want to admit it. But the first place we want to start is just admitting to God that look, I am. I'm in bondage. I've got credit card debt out the wazoo, man. And and it's like a roller coaster and I don't know what to do. And it just stresses me out when I think about it. That's why I don't think about it. And when the statement comes, I just rip it up and throw it away. And I just keep paying the minimum balance because if I don't think about it, then I don't worry about it. And it's like, you know what? It's not a way to live your life. It's time to create a new normal Everybody else is that way. All your friends are that way. It's normal for everybody else, but I want a new normal for you. Uh, It's okay if they want to live that way, but I want you to get sick and tired of fighting about money. I want you to get sick and tired about worrying about money. I want you to get sick and tired about not being able to do what God is calling you to do because of your money. I want you to get sick and tired about not being able to help people the way that you would like to help people because you aren't handling your money well. I want you to get sick and tired of spending all of your money and not saving any of your money for yourself. Step out of the normal mode and say, I want a new normal. I want to honor God with my resources. I don't want to serve God. I'm sorry, I don't want to serve money. I don't want to love money. I want to serve God and I want to love God, You cannot serve both God and money. If you're a follower of Jesus, we don't serve money. We serve God. Okay, that's that's just true. We don't serve money. We serve God. Say that with me. We don't serve money. We serve God. You don't serve money. You serve God. Now, here's the big idea for today, and then we'll close. Here's the main point. If you don't hear anything, look at this, hear this. The most important thing I want you to see is that money serves us as we serve God. I don't serve money. I serve God. You're a believer in Jesus. You don't serve money. You don't serve things. You serve God. But if that's true, money serves me as I serve God. So as I'm serving God, I see a need. My money serves me and I give to that need. The Bible says they give 10% at least of our income to the church. And so as I serve God, my money serves me. And I'm, I, I give out of a generous heart because it's what God wants me to do. And as I serve him, my money serves me. And I'm not serving my money. I'm not a slave to my money. My money is a slave to me because I tell it where to go. When there's you know, property that needs to be bought or, or buildings that need to take place, you're able to write a big fact check because you know what? You don't serve money, you serve God. And as you serve God, money serves you. You see a need at church. You see a need, somebody on the side of the road. You see a need at, you know, at work, somebody struggling. You don't serve money. You serve God. And as you serve God, you allow your money to serve you and you give to the needs that are around you. Now, who doesn't want to live like that? I want to live like that. I want to be able to live like that. I want to be able to give to needs that I see. I want to be able to, to give faith in my church and not even think about it. Not to be tempted not to do that. I want to serve God and make my money serve me because I don't want to be a slave to anything, especially stuff. Now, here's the question. Are you willing to follow Jesus when it comes to your money? Week one, we talked about fasting. Many of you like your eyes were like, you know, deer in a headlight kind of, oh, I thought that was for crazy people. we were like actually supposed to do that. All right, I'm going to give it a try. Some of you did it and you're blown away at, 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 at kind of your experience and what happened. And as you're continuing the cultural fast, God is blessing and he's going to continue to bless for weeks and months to come ahead of you. Some of you, week two, prayer, Ah, oh, it's an easy one. We all, you know, we're all like, yeah, I need to pray more. He's right on that one. And I get what he's saying. So, so you dove in and now you're having a quiet time and, and you've got a time and a place, a time and a place, a time and a place, and you're diving into one verse a day. A few questions, it's like five or 10 minutes of your life, but it's, it's a huge difference maker in your life. And so you're like, oh man, this is awesome. You're building that routine in your life. And now it gets to material things. It gets to money. It gets very personal, doesn't it? Not only personal, it gets emotional. Because money is emotional, man. That's why you fight in your marriage about it. That's why you, that's why you fight God about it. Because it's emotional. It's intense. It's who I am. I made it. I earned it. This is mine. And we want to keep it separated from our spiritual life. But God says, there's, there's a, it's an indicator of what's going on inside your heart. It's the spiritual x-ray vision to my heart, where my treasure is. that's where my heart is. And Jesus wants your heart. So are you going to be willing to follow and trust Jesus? That's the question. Here's what I want to do as we close today. Some of you, um, if you've got more than, I I just kind of rested on this number. If you've got more than five grand in credit card debt, you need to sign up for financial peace today. You need to get sick and tired of minimum monthly payments. Um, You need to get sick and tired of this way of life. And you need to get this sucker paid off and start living like no one else. You know what Dave says? So in the future, you can live like no one else. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we don't serve money any longer. Sign for this class and knock it out. Put your pride aside and do something that will change your life. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Ten years from now, you're going to be making more than you are today. Most of you, almost every one of us in this room probably will be making more in 10 years. But the reality is, unless something changes today, there's not going to be any more money in your savings account as a result. Because your money goes up, your lifestyle increases. And we don't want to be normal. We want to to create a new normal. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.